From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict episode 351, and today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by the feeling much better, Mr. Brad Dowdy. <laughs> Last week was a little bit rough by the end, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're get, we're gaining on it this week. Feeling better, Mike. Uh, well, how are you feeling? You've had quite a busy news week. Mm. I don't even know if that's why we delayed yesterday's show to today. But no, we delayed yesterday's show to today. We're 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 a day late because I was traveling home from Romania. Oh wow! So how did you keep up with all this news? That like I'm just watching all the Apple news and all the yeah. gaming news and thinking, wow, Mike is uh, going to be busy this week because a lot of it was a big <laughs> surprise to all of us. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apple's had a busy week so far, which uh, no one was expecting. Um, yeah, well, it's we good at least that we don't have like hot breaking pin news all the time that has to keep you up all hours of the day and night, right? It doesn't keep me up, but there is always hot breaking pin news. There, there always, is always constantly. There is, but it can always kind of wait a little bit. Yeah. Things move a little bit more slowly in the pen world, which is a nice change of pace for me. <laughs> yep, it's beautiful. That's why we're here, right? That's why we like it. I still got something that hasn't moved slowly. Oh, boy. Good grief. Good grief. Y'all, I'm going to say it in the way that Brad would. Y'all completely smashed it uh, for the Pen yeah. Addict Kickstarter. Um, we were talking last week about, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could we could beat our uh, 720 backers, our highest backer mm-hmm. number. As we record right now, we're two hours away from the campaign ending. So if you're hearing this, it's too late to have backed. Um, but we're sitting at 894 backers at $46,000, which is unbelievable. I just, I was hoping we'd maybe get to like 725 people or something. But mm-hmm. it was either, I think it's like a mix of like, People really enjoyed the last episode because it was full of emotion, and then the Kickstarter reminder emails go out, and then bang, and uh, we're sitting up at nearly just like just a hair's breadth away from nine hundred. We just went up to eight nine five, Brad. I'm looking yeah. at the page right now. So yes, so these numbers aren't real. Like I don't get it. No, they this... they are real, and they might not <laughs> feel real, but they are definitely real. Like, I look and, like, the jumps and gains that it's had, like, over the past couple of weeks are not supposed to happen. Right. Like, it's super abnormal. And, like, I'm very, very happy about that, right? It's it's kind of crazy. So, you know, but it's still hard. Like, it's all the feelings, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at all this support. It's amazing. And, you know, what can we do to you know, make sure we do the best job that we can for everyone that's backed us. And I know they really don't care about us, Mike. They really just probably just want the case. It's like, forget those guys and gals doing the show. Um, so, you know, like all the things. So whatever the reason, I don't care. Yeah. So we did, we did talk about doing one thing and I, I mentioned it before, actually two things um, just for the backers of the Kickstarter. So we have the sticker sheet. And as soon as we released that sticker sheet email, I started getting emails. How can we get more? Because I want to save one and I want to use one. And I got that message like a lot. So we're going to at least give everyone two sticker sheets. Yep. And that, that sounds like a little thing, but it's actually quite expensive. Like I had a thousand dollars in our budget for stickers 
the first quote that we got, like these are expensive, nice sticker sheets is $2,500. So we're spending $2,500 at least on stickers, Mike. So just so you know, we have the money. Everyone wants to, a lot of people wanted to keep a sheet or give a sheet to someone else and then like use some of another sheet. So why didn't, why not give them two sheets? So, you know, this is just little things that we can do like that to, you know, for our backers. Um, we're also getting the full Hackett video experience, yep. which we're now able to afford to do. Like we always get the brothers Hackett in Atlanta who do an amazing job with our video. And since we're doing the video and the live show in San Francisco, where we're going to have singular Hackett, but now we're going to have brothers Hackett uh, to help us ramp up our video quality for San yeah. Francisco. So we're able to do that. So yeah, that means that we're you know, more likely cool. to be able to get closer um, in, in video quality. You know, there is an issue with like gear, right? Yes. Because they are able to drive to Memphis where they can't drive to San Francisco. Um, yeah. But it does mean we're, we're likely to get, a better video than we would have. So it goes into stuff like that. And, and, you know, there are various expenses and we're hoping that we will maybe able to have some money left over that we can do some fun stuff with, but we're yep. going to get Brad, Brad's got to put on his green accounting visor and sit down with a calculator. Uh, yeah. And then we can know, but just rest assured, <laughs> like the, with the money that everybody's raised, we're able to do all of this. Uh, we're not paying out of pocket for any of it. Um, and we're, we'll be able to provide a much better overall experience and product for the people that back the campaign. So thank you so much uh, for doing it, and we're just a couple of weeks away from it all kicking off. So close. Yeah, like I, I'm glad Atlanta's not next week. I need like two more weeks, then I'll be good. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what you've got, my friend. Next episode, on next episode... Uh, we'll start the Anna Ryan at Double Bill that everybody looks forward to so much. So we're going to have Anna on the show next week to talk about mm -hmm. whatever topics we have next week, but also to pregame uh, the Atlanta Pen Show. And then the week after that, the episode will be coming out uh, kind of over the weekend of that week because that will be Pen Show week. So we'll be, we'll be pushing the episode out to later in the week because we'll be recording our, our live show in Atlanta. So yeah. episode 352. I always try to buy you time till at least Sunday, and then you usually have it done before we go to dinner on Saturday. I'm not gonna like totally schedule you for that, but you always it will be up Saturday night. Fast. We're recording Saturday; it'll be up Saturday night, like 100. It's 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 <laughs> it's even easier to put those episodes together than it is this our regular episodes. That's true because we're all there, mm -hmm. all one file. Just mm -hmm. clean it up a little bit, however you yep. need to. So that makes sense. That makes sense. So you're you're the professional. Mm -hmm. I've usually got the episode like posted by the time all the gear's been broken down. That's true. <laughs> Before so, dinner, that's for yeah. sure. Awesome. So, um, speaking of our 350th, you know, we talked about it uh, last week and just how important the show's been in our lives and how much we enjoy doing it every week and how much we enjoy, you know, all of our listeners. We asked people to reach out, you know, just out of curiosity who had been there since the beginning, you know, not have listened to every episode, but were actually there like listening when episode one dropped and were you surprised at the number of people that reached out? Cause I kind of was, yeah, I was, we had a bunch of, I had a bunch of tweets. I've been getting tweets all week, but it was really fun for me because honestly, like most of the people that were tweeting and saying, Oh, I've been listening since the beginning. I would see their like their handles or whatever and be like, Oh yeah, 
Like I remember you totally, right? Totally like for years agree. and years. Like I know that we've been talking for years and years and years. So, but like it's it's you kind of lose track of that sometimes. But like most of the people that were tweeting at us, I was like, oh yeah, of course, right? Like we used to talk about you know you used to sending great feedback four or five years ago. Like of course, so it was really nice. Yeah, the names that kept popping up, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, well, of course you are. Like, I remember we've talked since we've been talking forever online. Mm -hmm. You forget how fast, like, internet time flies. Like, you forget that we've been doing this for seven years or whatever it is. And, you know, the people there in the beginning were relaying those stories. And you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, it's totally right. So I, I got a bunch of emails, too, Mike. And I got one that I purposely didn't put in the show notes. Okay. And I want to read it. And okay. I, I asked for permission to read this because you know it's a, it's you know it's a little emotional you know as as we do and I I felt it was uh, just kind of like the epitome of everything that we believe in and and want to do for the show so I I have redacted some information they asked me to do that so I thought I would read this so uh, are you ready Mike Hurley Yeah of course Dear Brad and Mike Congratulations with 350 episodes. You have asked for feedback from those who listened to Pen Attic from the start. I am one of those people. I remember vividly walking along, redacted, that was, that was my redacted part, and listening to your very first episode. I was already familiar with Mike's work through the bro show with Terry Lucy. What a long way from that to Connected. And I heard both of you on the episodes of Enough. Back then I had one unused fountain pen, one bottle of ink, and a small handful of gel pens. Now I am a proud owner of a custom Nakaya, 13 platinum 3776s about right. <laughs> of Visconti London Fog and 36 other pens. And let's not count ink, shall we? Since then, I have moved three times, got married, and subsequently divorced, was promoted twice, brought, bought my own flat, and during all that time, I never stopped listening to you and everything else made by Mike & Co., you both feel like good friends that I have never met. By the way, going to the Atlanta Pen Show is in the plans for 2020. This is not the first time reaching out to you. I've had my Ask TPA questions and got the answers. It's a really nice feeling to hear your own name on the favorite podcast. I even emailed Mike once about a podcast idea and still have Mike's very lovely and lengthy response. He didn't even know CGP grade back then. Brad, Mike, I made a mistake of writing this email while in a coffee shop, and now I'm getting misty-eyed in public. Thank you both for being there for all of us, pen addicts. Thank you for giving me something else to think about when I suffered from depression, and when my mom had surgery, and when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And thank you for being there for me now, when my life is going through another change. Pen addict is one of the few constants in my life for the last seven years. Please don't ever stop talking about pens, paper, and all other analog tools. I really, really like both of you and wish you many years of happiness and inspiration. Warmest wishes. It's pretty good. That's it. That's it. It's pretty good. That's why we do it. Like, you don't think about, like, <clears throat> we don't go into creating something, go, hey, I hope this is the response we get, right? We're just who we are. We do what we do. And like I always say, we hope people like it, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I do feel that like we do have something special like this is just what we've built by just being who we are and talking about fun stuff and having a good time and yeah you know believing in a strong community and lifting everybody up 
and providing everyone a silly little bit of entertainment about pens and paper an hour a week. And we're pretty happy that people like it, right? <laughs> it's yeah. it's pretty cool. So yeah, that was uh, that one knocked my socks off, Mike. So it's very cool. Yeah, thank you to that individual for that email. It's very <laughs> kind. It's very kind. Yes. Yeah. Very amazing. Much. Amazing. All right. Hard segue. You ready? <laughs> it's yep. always we go from emotional right into stuff, and I'm going to talk about the Twisby Aurora stuff, Mike. So we talked about it on last week's show. And I said I wanted to watch this and see what it was going to do and what the feedback was. So what it is is a, if you missed last week's show, it's a limited edition swirly acrylic Twisby piston filler that they're selling directly through Twisby.com. No retail presence, nothing at all. And, you know, I wasn't interested in buying it. Like, it didn't speak to me on an I-have-to-have-it level. But I was very curious at... One, what the price was going to be, and two, how many they have. Well, we found out the price. The price is $100, which I thought was really good. Like, Twisby yeah. has kind of their price points down that they feel like they can do things at, and I feel that's fair. Like, this is a small run, limited edition. They're trying some new materials, some new finishes, um, and, you know, getting this out there and getting some feedback. And I thought that was a completely fair price. So the quantities, like I said, we don't know how many there are, but they're not sold out yet. There's extra fine nibs still available, which surprises me. Usually extra fine is one of the first to go. Um, and with bold and medium, it's usually kind of goes fine first, then probably extra fine, then medium, then bold. But extra fine still left. Maybe they had more extra fine nibs. Who knows? But mm -hmm. there's still some available. Um and people have already started to get them. Like, I put a link in the show notes. This was like two days ago. Someone already had pictures of it. So, at Saichu on Instagram, who I've followed for a long time, like this image came up in my feed. I was like, how do you have this already? So, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they live closer to where they're shipping from. But it looks cool. So, have you had any more thoughts on this not just specifically the product itself, but as Twisby doing this as a whole? So one, I think it looks great. I think for $100, that is an incredible price. I actually didn't know the price. Like I saw the pen, I was like, all right, that's two, 300. Like I'm not interested, mm -hmm. right? Like it's limited edition. They've got like a, it's got an ink window in it, right? Like it's, it mm -hmm. looks like a fancy material. It looks like it's got nice furniture, right? Like it just, you know, looked like a pretty good pen. And I've seen, we've seen Twisby do some stuff before. Like they did the Micarta pen, which is a little bit more expensive in the past, stuff like that. And I was like, looks great. Please, they're doing it. I don't want to put money down for it. $100, I would be tempted if I probably saw it in person and liked it, then I would pick it up, right? Like, if I saw mm -hmm. one of these and liked the look of it, I would get it for $100, I think. Um, yeah. Because Twisby make quality products more now than ever, and uh, their nibs are good, right? They, you know, they, they make mm -hmm. good stuff, and this looks like a fun pen. Green is maybe not so much in my wheelhouse, right? Like, maybe if they'd done a different color, I would have been quicker to maybe jump on it myself. Um more than anything, though, I'm pleased that they are selling stuff that's different as opposed to just posting images of things that are different, <laughs> which is their typical way, 
right? Yeah. Like, oh, here's a thing we made. You can't buy it, but like we just made it. It reminds me of like car companies with their like um, what are they called? Like the prototype cars. They've got like a yep. they've got a spe- specific name that can't. It's not jumping to my mind right now. Yes, yeah, Cos- uh, no, uh, oh, concept car. Right? Concept car. Twisby yes. make a lot of concept pens that they never sell. Um, mm. But this is one that they have. I think it's cool. I would like to see them make more stuff like this now. Because let's be real, they, I know why they've done this, right? Like it's obvious why they've done this because they're trying to they're trying to capitalize on the trend of the small maker and and small maker trend like the small maker trend is focused almost entirely on swirly colored acrylics, mm-hmm. um, in fountain pens at least. So they're trying to make something that's like that that kind of evokes that feeling uh this is not a criticism but it's just like this is why no they're doing it i mean this is what we talk about more yeah. than like the mainstream releases right mm-hmm. so i think that they've done a good job here i think that the price point is, is wild um and yeah I, I you know i think if if aurora is a new line right like or a new net product like it doesn't I mean, exist i yeah unless it's just like the specific name of this color and material yeah right but it, i don't know if like it looks like a classic or a, like a 580 like in what they you know like what it actually is right like the, yeah it looks like a five it's really built shape and size wise around a 580 which is yeah. a pretty large large-ish pin because I was just wondering, like, what is the guts of the pen? And they're not saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's probably like a 580. So it's twice the price of a 580, but it's limited edition and it's got the cool colors. Like, I think it's a mm-hmm. decent deal. I would like to see them push more into this range. Yeah. And I think, like, you kind of hit on why I'm interested in this. It's not this singular pen per se, but it's what is Tr- Twisby trying to do with this pen for the future. And we've always kind of fawned over some of the crazy pictures and prototypes and things that they've posted and saying, I want that, I want that, I want that. Well, maybe now they're getting comfortable and able to produce some of the smaller batch stuff. So I'm, I wanted to get this into the record. So in the future, we have like a starting point. It's like, hey, Twisby tried something here and look what's come out of it. Like That's what I'm most interested in about and what they're doing this like that's how i look at this pen is like is this the start of something or is this like a one-off and so i want to kind of i'm gonna definitely kind of pay attention to this because i find it to be like very interesting from a, a brand like twisby who can who is big enough to have wide exposure but small enough to be able to move faster than say a Lamy or a pelican or any of the these type of companies right to be able to do something like this mm-hmm. so it's it's super interesting to me. Yeah, and again, as I said, like I hope to see more. Right, like I want to see yep. them do more of this stuff, especially at those price points. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's kind of perfect. Like it's right where it needs to be as far as price and quality and interest. So, like you, I'm interested to get one in hand. Maybe someone in Atlanta will have one. All right, today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is incredibly important if you are a freelancer, if you're someone who sends invoices, tracks their time, uh, needs to file or expenses, which is, I expect, quite a lot of people. If you work for yourself in any regard, 
you should be using FreshBooks. They can save you time, they can save you aggravation, they can save you hassle because they simplify all of these tasks. They make it easier for you to send your invoices, to track your expenses, and maybe most importantly, to get paid online as well. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the amount of time it takes for over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork. I actually had to sit down in FreshBooks this morning and send out some invoices. I'd love how easy it is to do. The things that were taking me time during this whole process was just my own accounting entry. Like it wasn't having to deal with FreshBooks. Like if I I would like type in a couple of characters and it would pre-fill what I needed, right? So I type in like the first two characters of the company I'm sending the invoice to, done. Send a couple of characters for the line items on the invoice, done. And it's all pre-filled for me because they just save all of that information so I don't have to keep entering it over and over again. Then when I've sent that email out, I can track the whole thing. So I can see when it's been received, when it's been opened, and then every time somebody goes back to that invoice so I can understand where it's sitting in the kind of the payment flow with my clients that I'm working with. Like I really, really, really love FreshBooks because it simplified some just very important parts of our business because if I was having to track this in any other way, it would be basically untenable for me to be able to just track these invoices and understand when they've been trying like track down when they've been received and then like oh and then i've i can't even fathom the amount of mistakes that i would make if freshbooks wasn't saving all this information for me and just helping me pre-fill it so i absolutely love it we've used it for five years and you should try it if you ever send invoices to anyone Go try it out. They're offering a 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash penaddict and enter the penaddict and how did when they say how did you hear about us to say the penaddict podcast. So it's freshbooks.com slash penaddict. Our thanks to Freshbooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. So throughout the years we've covered or discussed all of the digital analog to digital conversion methods that have been attempted, right? So you have a pen with built-in mechanisms to track your writing, and then that writing gets saved to whatever software or app, you know, gets um, that it's it's part of. And we've always been fascinated with it just because, at least I have, just because I want to know if it works well. You know, that's what people who listen to this podcast are more worried about the analog side. Do the pen and paper work well? And can I have some type of variety? And is the software piece, you know, good enough to to do what I need to do? And I think generally over the years, we found out that no, like pretty much all of it is terrible, right? We found the Moleskine notebook a, cu- a couple of years ago at the Atlanta Pen Show. We felt that one did a good job. It was the first one that I'd seen that actually did anything compelling and also did what you were expecting. Right. Like, it was not fussy. Most of these things are really fussy and annoying, yep. at least the ones that I've experienced. And it was and called just... the Smart Writing Set then, right? If mm-hmm. I'm yes, remembering smart correctly. Writings. Yep. That's correct. Correct. So, and then I've talked about recently, like, the, the that Remarkable tablet that's come out um, in the past year or two, and it's, it gets a lot of press in the, like in the tech press. But it looks like a genuinely terrible device, and it's really expensive. And so, I like, I made a, a statement in, in Refill... I don't know, sometime this year that I think we're like five to 10 years out from this actually being a viable concept, like to where we feel comfortable using this type of input in analog to digital tools. And then I saw yesterday Moleskine and Adobe came out with an announcement saying that 
this new Moleskine product will go directly into your Adobe Cloud account, right? The input into this notebook and this pen will go directly into the Adobe Creative Cloud, which for Adobe professionals, that's kind of their home, right? Like, you know, you open up Adobe Illustrator, all your files are there. And having this notebook handy and able to just dump your ideas in there and then work with them digitally, I thought was pretty cool. So then it still makes me think, right? If you're a graphic designer, let's just say you're a graphic designer and you're in the Adobe ecosystem and you have a creative account and you're in Illustrator most of the day, aren't you using like a Wacom tablet or Wacom, which I don't know how to pronounce that. I think it's Wacom. Aren't you using a Wacom tablet already? And is this the same thing? You know, at your desk? I don't think so. No, see, because, okay, so when I see something like this from a creative field, there's a couple of things going on. One, there are some people that prefer to use pen and ink, and then they will mm-hmm. scan, you know, in into... Uh, yes. Like, in, and then go from there, right? So, like, um, the guy... Uh, I'd say that's Chris, pretty normal. Yeah, Chris, who I've used for the poster stuff that I've done uh, for PodCon in the past, he uses pen. Um, and mm-hmm. then we'll bring it into digital form. But I'm thinking, so a product like this for a creative person is, this is the notebook that you have in your bag, and when you have that idea, you pull it out and you sketch it in, right? Like you sketch the little right. thing that you got, you're in a coffee shop, and maybe you're not by the computer, maybe you don't want to be at the computer, right? But then you mm-hmm. can you can sketch it in, and then later on, you can... Uh, you can put it into wherever it needs to go, right? Like, so, because mm-hmm. you can still get it in digital form without the requirement to scan it. But again, how much of an issue is it to scan it? I don't know. Not right. Much, like, probably. I'm just, the thing, I, I, I'm just not totally in this, you know, world of using these tools. So I don't know, like, what I'm actually get. Like, is this worth it? Like, am I getting enough extra? or, you know, in either efficiency or productivity or creativity to be able to have this notebook and then using the pen be able to upload into the Creative Cloud? Am I getting something that I've never been able to get before? And I'm kind of not seeing that. But I still, at the same time, I kind of like it and I find it interesting, right? Like, I talk about these things because I kind of want to learn more about them. Even like I, it's clear by the the words I'm saying, I don't know a lot about them. And I want this, I kind of want this to be a thing. And that's why I always find this stuff interesting, but I've never been compelled enough to commit to anything like this for any kind of use. So it seems highly specific. It seems pretty cool. I like Moleskine seems to be the only one that has the money to be able to continue to invest in something like this, right? And getting partners partnerships with Adobe. You know, maybe we continue working on those tools and partnership. That's like that's a partnership I can get behind, right? That's two like big companies that have clout and maybe they can deliver something perfect that we're all looking for in an analog to digital combination tool. So I don't know. I I find it positive. I find it hopeful. I don't know if it's useful. So I'm always interested in hearing from anyone if they use these types of tools. Uh, Please reach out to me. I I just find it super interesting, mostly because I can't wrap my head around it. (laughs) It's a big head, Mike. Yeah, I'm a a little bit confused as to like, what is the difference between 
their naming, their branding on this is starting to get really confusing. Yes. To me. Um, so there's like, you can get the smart writing set ellipse, or you can get the pen plus ellipse. And then their, so their notebooks that they use are called paper tablets, which is a bad mm. name because it makes me think I need a piece of plastic under the paper to get it right. to work. So that the, their branding on this, I think, is is letting them down a little bit. I don't think that they have clear names for these products. Um, Smart Writing Set like was a better name, like is a better overall Absolutely. name. But you still get the pen. You still like the pen's still called the ellipse. Like it's. I don't think that they have the, the, the greatest branding on this, which is really peculiar for Moleskine because they're a branding company ultimately. Um, right. But I will say, right, like I think it is incredibly smart for them to be investing the money that they're investing in this because they need to be prepared in case this is the future of their business and they're not ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, for me, like, okay, it's great that they're doing this thing with with Adobe and like, creative, creative is amazing. But this is this is great for for. I mean, this thing is made for meeting notes. That's yeah. what this thing is made for, in my opinion. Like, you sit down, yeah. you write your notes in your Moleskine, and then you can have them in a PDF afterwards. Like, but that's that's the previous product. That's the previous iteration. Mm-hmm. No, but this new product hasn't changed that for me though. Yes, right. Like, there's nothing, like. That's what's so confusing about this is I want this to be like a real super viable thing that a lot of people use and mm-hmm. and find worthwhile. And I just can't figure it out like from A to Z. Yeah. Like I get parts of it. Well, they, they have like, actually I want the refined A to Z to make sense. The product though, right? Like the yes. pen plus ellipse is a new version of their smart pen, which is it's, it's like less bulky, significantly less bulky. Mm-hmm. Um and it's great that they're doing this collaboration with Adobe, but I, I just don't know like if this is what will... I don't necessarily think it's going to push them significantly further, but these are the types of things that they should be doing because really this this kind of division of Moleskine feels like what they should be doing is just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks because it's incredibly experimental. And I think that it's best that they try and keep it that way for now, even if some stuff doesn't necessarily make sense. I think that's a good way to look at it. I, I like that. Yeah, like I said, we're five to ten years away from... Yeah. I think we would have either had something now, or what. but what we've seen is no one's even close. Yeah. And I bet that opinion. this product sells more than well enough for them just for people wanting the coolness factor of their pen oh, sure. going onto their phone, right? Like, I sure. would have bought this if I was still at the bank. Like, 100% I would have bought this. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. Talk about lock-in. Talk about lock-in. That's another reason for this, by the way. Yeah. Because yeah. you get in on this system, all you can use is the Moleskine pens and the Moleskine notebooks. That's all yeah. you can use, so... Well, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, which when they moved to subscription service a few years ago, I mean, that was just a great move by them, mm-hmm. honestly. No, that saved their business. But, but yeah. yeah, if you, you remember, they did this, they had a partnership like this with Evernote before. Yeah. So. But it was it was more scannables, wasn't it? Like, I think it was... No, it was a smart notebook. That's right. It had the, it had the theoretical tap the corner yeah. type of system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about real notebooks, can we? I <laughs> yeah, guess sure. I got I got <laughs> I got some I got some cool new ones I wanted to to talk about. So I've 
as always, the the pin addict mailbox overfloweth. And I like talking about new and neat products that I haven't seen before or haven't had a chance to test out before and, you know, shine a little light on some of these small makers that are doing cool things. And the first one is these North of Rosemont notebooks. So I teased it out on Twitter last night, took a couple pictures. And this is a brand I had never heard of. They're based in Montreal, Canada. And they reached out to me, said, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's a link to all our stuff. We'd love to send you some notebooks if you're interested. So, you know, I dug around, dug around the site. I was like, oh, man, these look nice and neat and clean. And uh, I was like, yeah, send, send me some to check out. So when I first open them up, I'm, I'm holding this in my hand. And if you keep hearing, keep hearing me like flipping in the, in the, in, in the background, it's because these covers on this, on these notebooks that they sent me, they're, they're a hundred pound cover stock, which is a thick stock, but the way they finished them. It's almost like they're coated. It's almost like vinyl-y. Like I like it. Like it's a. This is a strong, durable notebook, and I keep. I can't stop futzing with it. It's just like kind of a cool feeling. So the the aesthetic is what you'd expect, I guess. Like I don't know how to put it. It's pretty normal. Like it's just straight up, straightforward. Their branding is north of Rosemont. Like that's a location in Montreal. It's right there. You know the entire front of the notebook is north of Rosemont notebook 48 pages Montreal like I'm down with that like I'm good with that I was really impressed with the covers and then you open them up and they did one thing that most small pocket notebook manufacturers don't do is they have in papers and if you recall back to the field notes in papers edition Mike do you know what I'm talking about um, they basically have a single oh, page the color one? of non-writing paper that's your your front and back page of the notebook so it like surrounds the paper so the field notes had an in papers edition they had green and blue ones and they did it like a bunch of painting and swirling yeah that's what they did like the pages. wild colors in those that was one of yeah. my least favorite editions of all time <laughs> right see and i i really enjoyed that edition yeah and I understand that though. That that was a whole different thing with the sizing and whatever. And we're gonna talk about still sizing. available to buy that edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a surprise <laughs> whatsoever. But anyway, they do an in papers type of thing. Like it's a singular, different stock, different material, different look sheet. It's you know, it's not special painted or anything like that. But I like that aesthetic on the notebook. The interior page is a seventy pound page, and right now, for what I've thrown at it, it handles pretty much everything like really well um, from fountain pens, gel, ballpoint, rollerball, pencil feels great. Like I'm super happy with it. I just inked up some wider nib pens. I wanted to test with it um, later today. So I'm going to do that and see how it handles them, but I don't see any issue why it can't handle everything. The one thing that I'm okay with, but I don't know if I love it is they went with, the smart sizing aspect of the notebook. What does that mean? And it means whatever you want it to mean, which is what I always get a hang up on in paper goods where I want standards, right? I want I want A5s and B6s and normal standards. So their notebook is four inches mm-hmm. uh, wide by five and three quarters inches tall. Like, it's perfectly fine. Like, on its own, it's a great size. Like, it's a really good size. It gives you more space than, like, a standard field notes or any standard pocket notebook. 
but you're pushing the limit of actually being a pocket notebook. We're getting close to it's almost a desk notebook. It's mm-hmm. not there. Like it's still pocketable. It's still small, but you know, it's, it kind of making up your own size thing always feels weird to me in a pocket notebook because then you're going to commit to that size and like other things that have to fit that size. And I don't know, but regardless, it feels good. It feels right. It's not too big, which is what I was worried about. So, but it's on the edge, like another quarter inch anywhere. We're probably not fitting it in a man's pocket. Women have no shot of fitting this in their pocket. Um, the pricing is really good. Like, it's $11 and about $11 us for a two pack. All the prices on the site are in Canadian dollars. So the conversion just to give you like a, a ballpark. So it's a two pack. So they're premium. I mean, that's a premium price. It's expensive. I feel like I would pay this easily for the quality of these notebooks. I think you would actually really enjoy these notebooks, Mike. Okay. So they have the standard notebooks are eleven twenty five for a two pack. Then they do limited editions like the one I'm using today, what's it called? It is like Obsidian Oh, obelisk. So um they sent me like one of each, like a single of each, so I could feel the different colors. So like this uh if you go to their website, like the Cavadon is this cool metallic looking paper finish on the cover and i'm using the obelisk which is like a textured cover these do look really um, and nice those are more ex- those are more expensive those are like 15 dollars for a two-pack yeah i still i still say like that's worth it um technically they need a little bit of work on their corner rounders so they need to just clean up the edges like you can see where their corner rounder is probably done manually and it's a little bit off like that's not a deal breaker for me, then that's an easy, easily fixable thing. And I didn't even notice it at first until I started using this notebook more. Like I'm starting a little side project that I'm, I'm going to use this as a project notebook for. And um, I not- happened to notice it like the bottom right corner rounder didn't quite do its job correctly. So just something they need to pay attention to as they move forward. Okay. Really high quality, really awesome stuff. Like this isn't like some kind of sales pitch. They didn't pay me to say any of this stuff. I just like talking about stuff and when i get new stuff that's good quality i'm gonna praise it like you know it's just kind of the way i am i like these notebooks i'm gonna use them and i think they're worth people checking out you know um very impressed so far with what north of rosemont has done i like that name i do too like i okay let's talk about this i wasn't sure at first having such a highly specific name and it's like the the whole branding thing is like really freaking hard, right? Like it's impossible to like sleep at night when you make that decision, the final decision on, hey, this is what we're going to call the company. So um, they've committed to it. Like it means something to them. Like it's meaningful to them, right? And if you're a company that builds a product around something that's like even just a name that's meaningful, meaningful to you because of where you were raised or where you're located, like I... I like that. Like, that's really cool. Like, that's why at Knock we use, like, local, you know, natural areas for product names. Like, it means something to us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, having that North of Rosemont name, it obviously means something to the people behind it. And, you know, they're going to do their best to, like, live up to that to that name. I think it's kind of cool. I, uh, I think it – I don't know if this is what they're going for. But I think that it really gives a high-end feel. Like, it's very high-end, like, high-end quality brand 
name yeah, feels they, to me. They they use the word premium a lot through yeah. the site. Yeah. So they, premium, that is exactly what they're like going Like it sounds for. premium to me. Yeah. But the pricing is like relatively premium priced, but I think it's correctly priced. Okay. Like it feels like accurate. Like this is this notebook feels like it's worth what it, they're charging for it. Correct pricing is the best pricing. <laughs> the next product, Mike, I'm not sure if it has correct pricing because it actually seems maybe a little bit on the low end. So Yoseka, and I don't know if I, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Yoseka Notebook. So there's a store in Queens um, called Yoseka Stationery, which I had not heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in New York, um, outside the city. So their notebook was shown to me at the Baltimore Pen Show by a friend. He walked up to me and he said, I want to show you this from a stationery store that I frequent because I think you would like it. And it is like a full-size A5 notebook, um, and it's really just called the Yoseka notebook. And uh, how many pages are in it? It's I don't know what you would think was a typical... Uh, 224 pages, 224 blank pages. And it's very simple aesthetic. Like, it's super minim- minimal. It's a completely sharp-edged notebook. Like, the cover is just your basic, like, super thick hardcore I don't even know what you would call this cardboard like thick thick stock but it's trimmed so that's the edge of the paper as well so it's like completely smooth all the way around there's no cover overhang or no inset paper and then the binding on the top is on the on the side is right on the edge too and it's it's kind of like it's very raw looking but at the same time it's completely clean and finished product so the style impressed me, just like looking at it, the look and feel of how it was built impressed me. So I said, yeah, get me their information. Let me get in touch with them. And he happened to reach out to them and got them to get in touch with me and said, hey, let us send you a notebook. So they did. And something about this paper is really awesome for fountain pens. So the paper, they call it KBU. It's by a company called Conifer out of Taiwan and they've gone through a couple of iterations of paper and the paper that they're using right now is extremely fountain pen friendly in so far as it shows off shading and sheen without having, you know, feathering or bleeding. You know, I think there's like one spot where I put down a lot of ink that kind of maybe a little bit, went through the back of the page, but not onto the next page, but barely at all. And I'll, I'll take some more pictures of this as I, as I review these, but I thought this was worth mentioning, like before I've even done the review, like the North of Rosemont, like this is a surprise. Like this is a new product. I love talking about new products and it's really good. Like there's so many good notebooks out there these days. This one, the only pen that did not work well with it was the Schmidt P8126 Rollerball. That one actually had a tiny bit of feathering. Everything else was kind of perfect. But for fountain pens, this is like a faster drying Tomoe River. Like you can see sheen, you can see shading. Um, I was very impressed with how it handled fountain pens. So, and, and it, even for like the most fountain pen, 
fountain pen friendly paper. They're not normally good with pencils. This was exceptional with pencils. Like you can feel like the texture of the page, which those two things usually don't go hand in hand. So um, this is a $20 notebook and that's kind of in the no brainer territory. If you like this style, like this style is different, right? It's, I would call it raw. Like it's just seems like they've glued together some pages in between cardboard, Mm -hmm. but it's actually really refined and really clean and really high quality, really well made. I, I'm extraordinarily impressed with this notebook so far. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep using it. Um, keep testing with it. Um, I, I did get some, some wider, wider nibs and wider inks. I didn't have everything. I just cleaned all my fountain pens. So I only had some like extra fine stuff inked up and I always want to see how, you know, these papers work with wide wet nibs and man, it held up really well. So I just like the style. This is, this is right up my alley of the type of product that I like. So, and Yoseka is like a brick and mortar store. You can go there, you know, if you're in New York city, it's a, it's another, it's another place to, to add to the stationary tour, Mike, when we are, whenever we go back there again. Right. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see more interesting looking stationary stores in a place that I like to visit for stationary reasons. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you're in New York enough that you'll have to figure out how to how to hit this one up. So these two notebooks got me thinking, Mike. I like notebooks of all shapes, sizes, types, paper styles. I use all different types of pens and pencils and inks. So I'll use any type of notebook anytime, anywhere. And then I got to thinking, what does Mike use for notebooks? Like, I kind of know but I don't really know. Like I know you use field notes a lot mm-hmm. for a lot of things, but mm-hmm. in a large, well, no, I was going to say, but I don't know about like a larger format okay. notebook. I don't know a darn thing that you like in a notebook. Like I could, I could go to a pen show tomorrow and come up with a mic pen, right? I could find the mic pen. I don't know what the mic paper is. Is there, is that such a thing? I think it's because I am less particular about paper than I am about mm-hmm. pens. So I have three, there are three principles for a notebook that I enjoy. Uh, and they are functional, beautiful, and exquisite paper. But I don't need any notebook to have more than one of these. <laughs> it can just have any of them. Any of these three, mm-hmm. more than one of them is brilliant, but all of the notebooks that I use frequently fall into one of these categories. So functional would be field notes, would be the uh, Studio Neat uh, panel book, which is the mm-hmm. notebook that I actually use the most because it's where I'm take. it's on my desk, right? Which is where I'm mostly using my pen and paper. Um, I would say that, you know, field notes and, and uh, the panel book also fall into beautiful, but it's a different kind of beauty, right? Where like sometimes I will get a notebook just because I think that it's stunning. I actually have a notebook that I received today from a company that's going to be sponsoring us soon, which I find Ooh. beautiful, which I'll, t- I'll talk about it later. Um, I don't want to necessarily talk about it today because they're not paying us to talk about it now. They're paying <laughs> us to talk about it later. So I'll talk about it later, but it's very beautiful. Um, and then the exquisite paper for me, that is the Nanami Crossfield. That is yeah. my uh, Hobonichi Techo, right? Like they are just, you know, I use those notebooks 
for various reasons, but like the Crossfield, the Crossfield's not a particularly good looking notebook. It's just no. a red cover that I don't really like. But the paper inside is incredible. So they're kind of I think that those those notebooks that I've named, they're the ones that I use most frequently and they kind of fall into those principles. I am not particular about paper really and and i think a lot of that comes from just the various issues that i have with finding paper to work for me because of my left-handedness because it can change the way the pen feels it can change the way the ink dries all that kind of stuff so that's that's a kind of a thing for me when it comes to to using this to using different types of paper but i'm pretty I'm pretty set on what I use and don't really feel the requirement to branch out very much in that regard. Well, I think that makes sense the way, you know, you have the the three things. And I think for me, I guess it's not three things. It's it's one thing and that one thing is that it's different. Like whatever mm. it is, what is the one thing that makes this different that makes me think that oh, I'm using brand X paper, right? that I can latch on to as this is their thing. Like whatever that thing is, you know, what can what is different about it that makes me want to use it. Like as much as I I praise Moleskine for like all of their their marketing and creativeness and style and design, their paper is not different. The notebook is not different, right? It just there's nothing that compels me to use it. Whereas you know, a Rodeo web notebook, you know, well, I can say, well, that paper is really good for fountain pens, um, you know, because of the, the way the paper's made, you know, even though it's the same theory as, you know, like the Moleskine black notebook, well, I can get a, that with a better paper. Like there's nothing special in the Moleskine that makes me want to use it where, you know, like a pocket notebook, you know, does it have graph paper? Like, that's the one thing. Like, if it has graph paper, I'm probably going to use it because I find that thing to be interesting. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty pretty cool that uh, I, I all these years of talking to you, I don't know that I could pin down your paper. I actually forgot that you use the Crossfield um, pretty regularly, and that makes a lot of sense with, with that type of paper that it is. So, mm-hmm. um, the Crossfield actually made me think before we take this next break and get onto our ass TPA, the North of Rosemont notebook has like a micro reticle grid. So it's not a dot grid. So that's another thing like the Crossfield. I know you like the reticle grids. Mm. So this has a really, it looks like a dot, but up cl- it's so small, but up close They're, it's a reticle. And it looks I was sharper. looking at their pages and it looks like a dot grid. Mm-mm, it's a reticle. Oh boy. Maybe I'll... Bring one of these to Atlanta. Let me take a look at oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I've already started this this one up. So. Oh, I see. And I'm trying yeah, to, I see the cross. I'm trying now. to Yeah. I'm trying to carry it around. Like with these small notebooks, I want to carry them like in my pocket and stuff, see how they hold up. So yeah, I'll be carrying this one around a bunch. Um and it's I'm fully convinced it's gonna hold up completely well. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace and build a wonderful website for your next idea with a unique domain name available to you to register with squarespace with the ability to take advantage of and customize award-winning beautiful templates they are the home for your next project whether you want to create a 
an online store or a site for your business, maybe a site for an event, a portfolio or a blog. It doesn't matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace has the tools and there's nothing to install or patch or worry about because they don't. you don't even need to upgrade it on your own. They take care of all of that stuff for you. They've got it covered. And they back everything up with 24-7 customer support. Squarespace want to help you out. If you need any assistance, they're going to be there for you because they're all about letting you put your stuff online. They want to give you the tools. They want to give you the support. They want to give you the ability to not have to worry about how long it's going to take you to build your website, how much maintenance it's going to take, and all of the costs associated. They just want to give you something very simple for a great price that you're able to flex and customize as you need. Their plans start at just $12 a month. But you can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com slash penaddict and you can try it out on your own. And you can see if it's right for you because you can build your entire website. And then when you're ready to launch it to the world, you can just sign up for one of their plans. But if you use the code PENADDICT to check out, you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. So that is squarespace.com slash PENADDICT and the code PENADDICT to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, this first Ask TPA isn't as much as of a question as a topic I wanted to approach and one we're going to approach more with Anna next on next week's episode about pin shows but uh it, it's from Chris he was the gentleman which he enjoyed me calling him that um at the Baltimore pin show who bought the red sailor mosaic mosaic um in Baltimore he said I was tickled to hear you mention the story of my buying the pin and thought it was great that my pin got a couple minutes of fame in the show notes then I noticed that it got even more time in the spotlight as your post picture over on the pin attic so thank you again for the tip of where to find it. If Mike misses out and regrets it, he should contact me in case I do decide to sell. It's a lot less contrasty in person than in your picture. Yeah, my picture is actually terrible, but it contrasted out so brightly, I just did it anyway. <laughs> so it's not that bright in person. Um, the way you relayed my suddenly leaving to track down the pen was funny. The experience pointed out a lesson that may be worthwhile passing on to people going to pen shows. Have at least part of a plan. So that's what I want to explore a little bit more. So let me finish mm. this out, then we'll explore that. I had a short list of things to see and prioritized order for how and where to seek them out. For example, at Baltimore, I was there Saturday only, so I needed to get to the Franklin Kristoff table for the 9 a.m. color prototypes. Then the plan was to go directly to Anderson's, who weren't there, to look at the red uh, 1911 in person. I had already seen the video online. And I knew that my business with Jonathan Brooks did not have time pressure. A plan reduces the stress, sets expectations, and lends a little more control and realism for the budget. So I think there's a couple ways to take this. And I think it's important because over the years of me going to more and more pin shows, my idea of the plan or the list has changed, right? In the beginning, I thought it was super important to have a very specific list of things you wanted to make sure you saw whether or not you bought them or not but you know make sure you got to see the things you wanted to see and see if they worked for you and over the years my list has gone to non-existent because i continually like read and educate myself over the days and weeks and months between pin shows so i have in my head so i know when the time comes if i see something that I'm mentally prepared. So that's like part of the plan too, right? It's the work I put in in between shows to 
learn more about products. So when I see them, then I understand them more. So that's kind of like the two sides of the plan. The one is like the hard, fast, written out list, which I think for beginners and people who are going to their first pin show or even like their first, you know, 10 pin shows, it's great to have a list. At some point, I transitioned over to learning about as much as possible and maybe having less of a specific list, but more of a general list to know when I see something that fits my style and aesthetic and needs and wants and uses that I'm able to make a good decision whether I want to purchase that item or not. So that's just kind of the the point I wanted to, to bring up. And I definitely want to talk about this more with with uh, Anna next week on the show because uh, between her and I, even though I've only been to one pin show this year, we've been to a lot of pin shows this year, mostly her. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good email, and I thought that was a good point for Chris to to bring up. Did you have anything to add to that? I think that it is wise. I think that it's wise to also plan for parts that are surprises. Um, yeah, build that into your budget. Like there's going to be stuff that you would not have expected to see, uh, and mm-hmm. things that might excite you. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's worth like just planning it out a little bit that you're going to see some stuff you maybe have never seen before. Yep, yep. So I this next ask TPA is via Seth, and I pretty much died when I read the first sentence. My question is actually for Mike. Mm. So the, don't don't get too too proud about that because he 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 does correct things later on but your question mike is i love my fountain pens but don't use them very often it is not unusual for a pen to sit idle for several weeks i'm I'm glad he he related this to you he knows who he's talking to or months before i pick it up (laughs) most pens seem to fail this test miserably failing to write and leaving me with a cleanup job. But my Twisby pens seem to always work perfectly, even after months of sitting on my desk. Are there any other pens that could be counted on in this way, or should I just plan to buy all the Twisbys? I love so much that he asked you this question. Well, I am a good person to ask. Uh, Sailor pens. (laughs) Sailor pens, Pro Gears. I can pick them up after not using them for a while, and they have absolutely no problem for me. They work perfectly fine. Like I have no issue at all. So the only other one I'd add is the Platinum um, with their slip and any pin that they make with their slip and seal mechanism mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. often found in the 3776. Its job is to allow you to let your pen sit there for two months and then pick it up and start writing. Like that's what that cap is made for. Right. So they do it. They do a real good job with that too. So I did get a question, Mike, and this is actually a really good question from Seth. He says, and I do have a question for Brad. Why are Visconti Homo Sapiens pins so expensive? I just saw the Midnight in Florence limited edition and thought it looked fantastic, but then I saw the price. I can't wrap my head around that. Keep up the good work and know that your podcast makes me look forward to my Wednesday commute. Sorry we're a day late this week, Seth. I love this question because I just had this thought process at the Baltimore Pin Show. So, um... Uh, Coles of London is the U.S. Visconti distributor, so they go to all the pin shows, and I'm friendly with them. And so I went over to talk to them, and we were going through some of their new products, and the Midnight in Florence was on the table. It is stunning. It is such a good-looking pin, and it's so expensive. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to justify that, Seth. Like, 
it's I don't know what the MSRP is or the retail, but it's so for Goulet pens have it. The MSRP is eleven fifty, and they've got eleven fifty available for nine twenty. Okay, so the the London Fog a couple few years ago I think was around eight hundred, and it's the same idea of this series, and it keeps going up. I don't know why. That's well, an I know why. People are oh. buying them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a stunning pen, and it's just a crazy, crazy expensive price. I, I don't know how to justify that. Seth. Such a shame about that. I, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like the club. Like, I love this pen. It's like, um, you know, even if I like, I could get a deal on this pen, it would still be an outrageous amount of money. And it's, I mean, for Visconti fans and people who like it, it's worth it, right? You're buying into a brand and you're buying into a style and you're buying into an aesthetic. It's, you know, it's a premium brand and they charge premium prices by where they've decided to place themselves in there. If you're asking me for the technical details of why it's so expensive, I can't answer that because it's a palladium nib. I don't know what that even means. You know, it's not a gold nib. Um, you know, it's a fancy material nib. And the mechanism is fantastic. You know, their filling system is great. Like, the engineering of Visconti's pins are top tier. You know, the threading system is great. Like, everything about it is great. But if you asked me, like, okay, why isn't this pin X price instead? I was like, I, I don't know. It's just the brand. It's the way the brand's set up, just like Mont Blanc. You know, you're buying it's a luxury brand. It's not even a premium brand. This is a luxury brand. So I think the standard Homo sapiens pens, the uh, the lava ones, are reasonably priced. You know, they're like in the four that's reasonably. That's maybe a stretch, but in the four or five hundred dollar range, you're getting a similar experience without the swirly limited edition, you know, maybe that's the thing a little bit too, is the midnight and Florence materials, not as common as their, their lava materials, which they make more of as a regular edition. So, you know, it's just all those little things add up. And when you're dealing with a luxury brand, like their price point is just what it is. And you have to decide, you know, is that something I'm willing to buy into? So, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't have like a real, like clear answer to that but it's just kind of uh it is what it is type of things especially when you're dealing with luxury brands that's that's the premium you pay market forces that's the yeah, thing market forces they will sell every one of those midnight and florence pens right and that's why they cost that much yep all right so last few quick hitters Nick Piddick says, not really an STPA, but do you think you'll be able to talk about the Pen Addict Kickstarter without being super emotional? Just remember that the people want to help you because you're doing a terrific job and give so much. It's our way to thank you for what you give us. So right. I put this at the if end you, on purpose. But if you say that, it makes it worse. <laughs> that's making it worse. <laughs> if you want us to cry, Nick, that's how you get yeah. us to cry. Yeah. So... I put this at the bottom just to see how the uh, the the top of the show would go, and we didn't we didn't cry on that. But I mean, genuinely, like you know, words like that like choke me up. Like it was hard for me to read that email. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we really care about the community, and the community support back to us is overwhelming. And 
it's amazing. And, you know, we just, I mean, we appreciate like all these kind words and like the thank yous, like a single thank you goes so far, like in like, you know, the emotional spectrum, like that someone like enjoys your work. It's like, man, cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So thank you, Nick. And I'm sorry we didn't cry hard for you this episode. It was, it was in our thoughts though. Paper more, Brad, are you going to the Chicago, Chicago pen show this year? I am not. And it's again, my biggest regret on the calendar. Like Chicago is a really excellent show and it's a show I want to go to every year and it's hard for me to work that one out. So that's a no for me this year, unfortunately. So we'll have to make a concerted effort to make that happen again, because that'll be two years in a row I've missed, I think. So that stinks. And Atomicrop asks probably the hardest question of all the questions. What are your favorite red inks? Hashtag ask TPA. I'm a well-known not red ink person, but I found one that's pretty killer. So the uh, Robert Oster red candy, which I just got in Baltimore from Van S. Pens. I'm super digging that ink. The other red ink that I've used in the past that I have enjoyed, and it's again on the darker side of the spectrum, is the Sailor Grenade. That's a uh, really interesting uh, red ink with a little bit of sheen in there. So the red candy is a little bit brighter, but still has some darkness. And um, the grenade is even darker and more burgundy than that. So those are kind of my reds. But I am far from a red ink guru. I might have to get that Robo-Osta ink. I've been looking for a good red ink for a while. I would recommend this one to you. I'll bring I'll bring some inked up and, and let you use it. It's enjoyable to use, which I usually don't say about red inks. Hmm. All right, cool. I want to try that one because I've been looking for yep. a good red. I've been unhappy. Yeah. I, I, I'm using a red at the moment. I don't remember what it is, but I'm not that happy with it. That's why I, haven't, yep. I don't mention it. It's, I think I have dragon it's right blood amount. or something in the name. I don't remember what it's called exactly. Dragon Blood. It's something like that. It's a pretty common red ink name. Yeah. In convention. Yeah. It's 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 along those lines. It doesn't it doesn't really do it to me. <laughs> All right. If you want to uh, support the show, you can do that in a bunch of ways. As always, you can uh, if you I mean if you're listening to this show within like the first ten minutes of it going up, you can probably <laughs> still back the Kickstarter campaign. We're eight hundred and ninety five people now with 111 minutes to go again thanks so much for everybody that done that uh, this is not me being emotional this is just a thank you and that is the end of this transaction uh thanks to our sponsors freshbooks and squarespace uh you can go follow us online brad is at dowdyism on twitter pen addict on instagram uh twitch.tv slash pen addict i know brad wants to do some twitch streams this week so uh, today 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 which could be yesterday or another day but there you yes. can go watch the video on demand. a month from now you can go watch the video on demand. That'll be there. Uh, you can follow me online. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And you can get show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 351. Um, remember, next week we have uh, the wonderful Anna Reinert joining us as we pregame the Atlanta Pen Show, which is just over two weeks away. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.